you, Bonnie. No. Give that to you, Lane. Well, good morning. It is so good to be back here. It's, uh, it's been a while. I don't remember the last time we were here. It's several years ago. And uh, what a privilege, what an honor it is to bring the Word of God to, with you. Uh, I grew up in Rolling Meadows. And in fact, on the way here, we drove by where I grew up my house and went and looked at some of the places I had adventures at. Uh, and Elena and I have been members of this church for so long, we're sorry we haven't been here. And then uh, uh, we were married uh, 43 years ago in this very spot right here, last month, 43 years ago. So, and the reason you haven't seen us around is that we've been missionaries in Japan for 35 years. Uh, it's been an incredible journey, uh, and you've, you've gone with us in this journey. I remember many times uh, when you had Christmas in October, you'd have a Christmas tree and you, everyone would bring up prayer cards and you put them on the Christmas tree, and you'd send us the cards, and you'd send us a picture of the Christmas tree uh, from this church. And I remember almost every time we got received that, we would all break out in tears because we knew how much the support was from here and how important it was that people pray for us. We wouldn't have survived 35 years in Japan without your prayers. Uh, and uh, we lived in, I lived in Japan over half of my life, uh, and... And, it, and then we've journeyed back now to the United States. And experts say that for every one year that you live overseas, you need at least one month of adjustment when you come back to live in another place. So that's like three years adjustment. And uh, we're, we're in year three somewhere, and I guess we're doing okay, but sometimes we don't know. Uh, maybe you can help us. Uh, we're still in this transition period. We're trying to learn to surf the American culture which has changed since we left, of course, and continues to change as all cultures do. Uh, what often seems in America what's, what is important is someone's opinion or someone's taste or someone's styles. Now, let me just ask you a quick question of popular culture. What's your favorite color? What's your favorite color? Okay, okay I hear a lot of those. Okay, all of, most of you came in a car today, so what's your favorite car color? That'd be interesting. Red, red, Elaine's got red. When we went to Japan in 1985, there were two car colors that you could get. Black and white, exactly. And, and black was the, the, the underworld people. <laughs> China, and, and, but today it's very different. Uh, I, I always kind of joke about it. It's, it's, it's like crayon colors. You know, anything in the crayon box is uh, legit in Japan for a color now. China does, China does not like blue cars. India does not like black cars. Japan does not like gray cars. But a culture can't always tell you what's right, what's true, or what's best, and that, that kind of thing. In a world of Facebook likes, uh, things whether they're retweeted, retweeted, or whether uh, this opinion poll or that opinion poll, or this has better ratings and that has ratings, and uh, how many followers you have and how many followers you don't, this is a different world, isn't it? But sometimes it's hard to tell the difference between truth and popularity, isn't it? Last month I was... Uh, uh, in a partnering church in uh, Colorado, 
And a lady asked me a very perceptive question uh, that even now I don't know completely the answer. She says, how has it been with you, John, in uh, transferring back to America, transitioning back, how has it been spiritual uh, uh, transition for you? I thought, man, that's a hard question. And just uh, that week, our president of our, our movement of churches converge that your church is a part of, uh, President Rideout, just talked about American culture at this conference I was at. And we've been re-entering Japan since uh, April 2020. And uh, uh, all of you have gone through this as well. I mean, there was a COVID-19 global pandemic, and it's really we're maybe we're at the end. We don't know yet. Uh, also, the, the social and the racial uh, disruption that we had in 2020 when we came back. Uh, the polarization and the political division that we had and still kind of have. Uh, the political insurrection uh, that some people call it in, on January 6th. The Russian invasion of Ukraine. Uh, the appeal of Roe versus Roe. The discussion of, of uh, gun control. And now we're dealing with inflation and uh, maybe recession. But I'll get good news for you. On the way here, it looked like gas prices are coming down a little bit. It is sometimes hard to tell truth over popularity, isn't it? And all these issues are much harder to determine who is right, who is true, who is who's best, who makes the decision. And uh, our president of our denomination was talking about how the last few years have brought a lot of division, a lot of distrust, and a lot of disruption into our churches. Maybe your church, I don't know. But uh, the lives of our many churches are having very difficulty. Pastors have a difficult time speaking on anything because they're afraid of the, what people's opinions might be. But maybe you can help me a little bit here. Several months ago, I was visiting a church way out west on the w- western seaboard, okay? So really far from here. Uh, and we gathered for a special missions presentation. They, these are people interested in missions. And I sat across the table from two men, uh, and we had dinner together, and we were chatting about our lives and all this stuff. And then they started talking with each other. And I was listening, because I'm, I'm always observing culture, wherever I am, whether I'm in Japan or America. And they started talking about red this and blue this, and uh, whether this was liberal or whether this was conservative. And I'm going, I understand what they're saying, but I don't understand why these two Christians are talking that way. I thought, aren't we followers of Christ? Uh, Don't we have other ways of viewing people and issues uh, as Christians? Uh, Not red and blue, but God's kingdom. Whether someone's not red or blue, but whether they're lost or whether they're found. I thought, isn't that what, and we're here for a missions thing? You You follow the kind of struggles I'm having here? And I was meditating on all this when we were working on this passage today from Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 to 29. Now, I know we don't have, we have this, this uh, micro PowerPoint thing here, which is better than nothing, I think. Uh, but some of you might not, if you don't have your own Bibles, you can look it up on your, we're going to open our Bibles today. Maybe you have it on your phone or your tablet. But if you don't have a Bible in the pew in front of you, uh, the passage is on page 1032. 
1,032 if you need to look it up. So thank you, uh, the leadership of the church, for giving me this passage on Kingdom Come. This is really a great passage. Together we close this section on the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus' long sermon here uh, in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It's kind of the finale. I get to do the finale, which is kind of a special treat, I think. And in this very short passage, there are some amazing principles of Jesus and his teaching here. And, uh, but we'll kind of start at the end and then move towards the beginning. Let's look at verses 28 and 29. What we want to do is, first of all, recognize the authority of Jesus. Recognize the authority of Jesus. Can we read verses 28 and 29 together? Don't worry about what translation you have. It doesn't matter. Let's just read it together, okay? Ready? And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. As today, as in in the first century, authority does not rest with your personal opinion, your own wishes, your own ideas, what's popular, or even what's trending. Throughout the Gospel of Matthew, you've already studied some of these passages, the religious leaders were always challenging Jesus' authority and his right to speak, whether he had authorization or whether, what source of power he was doing things. Uh, look at some of these. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew chapter uh, 5, he said six times, he says, the Bible says this, but I say to you, but I say to you. He said that six times. And then in chat, just last week you studied where Jesus said, these words of mine in verse 24. And then a verse that's very popular for missionaries is Matthew 28, where Jesus says, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. These are even relevant words of what we think about authority in Japan, what we think about authority in Asia, what we think about authority in the United States. And I'm reminding of these words that Martin Luther gave when he was challenged about whether he was teaching the truth of Scripture or not. And he said, if then, he's kind of in a trial. He says, if then, I am not convinced by proof from Holy Scripture, and if my judgment is not this way brought into subjection to God's Word, I neither can nor will retract anything. Here I stand. I can't do otherwise. God help me, amen. And that launched the Reformation and ended up becoming uh, Meadows Christian Fa- Fellowship Church. Uh, that's, we're in the Protestant. Because Martin Luther believed in the Word of God and the authority of the Word of God. Jesus taught not as the teachers of the law. What does that mean? He taught not of other people's opinion, other people's ideas, other people's research, not that there's anything wrong in doing that, but Jesus taught as ultimate authority from the Word of God. He is the King, and the King is coming, and He has authority. Well, how do you and I, as people in the 21st century, find God's authority and God's wishes for our lives? It's very simple, three things. Three things I learned when I was a new Christian, and three things I still do. Number one, you read your Bible. You look in your Bible. Uh, 
Meadows statement of faith says that you believe that this is the authority for all faith and all practice. And now Baptists are known to be people of the book. We all need to be people of the book. Are you a people, a person of the book? The other thing is prayer, praying with God, and God can remind you and give you uh, impressions and things that you need to do in your life. He does that with me all the time. And the third thing is to consult with other Christians. Say, I have this idea that this might be God's will. What do you think? And some would say, well, I'm not sure. That's from... Let's look in the Bible again. Or maybe you said, no, that sounds like something you should do. And it's good to have those three working together, the Bible, prayer, and the, the consulting other strong Christians. When I was in college, I had a roommate, who was Ralph, and he was, was kind of an interesting guy. He was very, very practical about living the Christian life. And I would say something, because uh, I was a new Christian then, and I, I would say something like, man, doing this seems really hard, like loving your enemies seems really hard, or doing this seems really hard, and he'd say, well, if that's the case, he'd take, out a, he'd take his Bible, he'd take out a little razor blade, he said, well, let's cut that out of the Bible then. We don't, we're not going to do that, okay? <laughs> and he's making a point, of course, yeah. He never did that. But Ralph understood the authority of God's Word, and Ralph understood that we need to obey what God says. And that's the second point today, and that is practice the teachings of Jesus. Practice the teachings of Jesus. Let's look at verses 24 to 27. We read them earlier. I'll read them one more time. Verses 24. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on the house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rains fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat against the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Here, we're emphasizing the importance of obeying the practical teachings of Jesus. Brothers and sisters, please read this passage very, very carefully. I know you know that really well, and we just sang the kids' song and all that. It's not tricky to understand. It's very simple, but it's really hard to carry out what Jesus just said here. First, notice the similarities between these two people. What are the similarities here? You can tell me, what are the similarities between these two people? They're both, they both had houses, or they're both building houses, okay? They're probably running down to the home center every Saturday and picking up stuff. They're building houses. That's one. There's another. They both heard the word. Okay, and there's one more. They both, had, they both saw storms, right? They saw the rain, they saw the floods, they saw the wind. That was the same for both of these guys. But what was the key difference between these two guys? Or I, I, the key difference, look at your passage, see what it says. What does the Bible say? The key difference is, of course, the foundation that they had meant that they lost their houses or they didn't lose their house. One, I guess one difference, too, is that one had an insurance claim and the other didn't. <laughs> but the key difference here, and don't, don't miss this, the key difference is that they both heard the word of God, one obeyed it, and one did not. That's the key difference. It's not like the three little pigs, okay? The three little pigs, they go down to the home center, right? 
looking for materials for their house. And uh, the one that said, I want to get straw. You know, I'm going to get straw because it's cheap. You know, it's in the bin over here and it's on sale. We need straw. And the other said, no, I'm going to upgrade the wood siding. And the other said, no, I'm going to get, I'm going to get brick siding. I've got to go in the back, you know, where they have. And I get some mortar and all that. It's not that at all. It's not about the building materials for the house at all. It's not about the house. It's about the foundation. That's all it's about. The difference is not just hearing. They both heard the Word of God. The big difference is that they heard and obeyed. And as I read this passage over the last several weeks, I was very convicted about what I should obey. It's hearing and putting the practice. Not hearing and just understanding it. It's not just that. It's not hearing and remembering it or even memorizing it. It's not hearing and then considering, I'll think about that. It's, it's hearing and putting in practice what Jesus is saying here. Because ultimate authority that Jesus has compels complete obedience. Jesus ends this Sermon on the Mount with four warnings or kingdom contrasts in this chapter. Remember, there's the two ways. There's the two trees. There's the two claims. And now we see the two builders. Jesus is saying, you and I will live our life out, or wash out if we do not practice his teachings. That's what he's saying here. That's all he's saying to these people who heard them then and who are hearing it now. One of the things we got when we arrived in the States is we got one of those emergency weather radios. You know what I'm talking about? The little white boxes. They cost about 25 bucks at the home center. And this week it went off several times. You know, we live out past Rockford, and it went off right there in the middle of 10 o'clock at night. Or it was like midnight. I'm sleeping. I was like, what is it? There's an emergency flood flash warning, you know. And it was for another area. But I would like to know that when a hurricane, a hurricane's coming, a typhoon's coming, or uh, a tornado's coming, or flood, uh, flash floods. But there were flood, flash floods around this area just a few days ago. And these guys didn't, the one guy, he already had the warning. He was warned that he better build it on the foundation of hearing and doing the word of God. So is it the problem of hearing and not practicing? Are you a follower and a disciple of Jesus Christ? Around the world, we have a problem with the level of discipleship. Some have commented, I've heard many uh, mission leaders comment that in Africa, as an example, uh, Africa has a, a Christians a mile wide, but only an inch deep. Very shallow Christianity there. The reality of shallow, of broad but shallow discipleship. And many have criticized the church in the United States because that our discipleship is too shallow. I don't know if it's true or not. But globally right now, there's a call in missions for what we call obedience oriented discipleship. That means that we are looking to see that anyone who says they're a, a disciple is actually obeying what God has told them to do. What did God teach you from his word, the Bible? Are you obeying that? And the scripture is all about, uh, has a lot of warnings about hearing and not practicing. You've already, you've already seen this in chapter 5, verses 19 at the end. Jesus says, 
But whoever does them, the least of these commandments, and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. You just read it last week, verses 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And then James has a great admonition to us in chapter 1, verse 22. He says, but prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. Jesus summons each of us to his ultimate authority over our lives to practice all that he teaches because ultimate authority compels complete obedience. And just like those who heard the Sermon on the Mount in the first century, you and I in the 21st century can can become comfortable to just hear the authoritative words of God and not be changed into consistent obedience. I hope you're following what I'm trying to say. Well, my wife's going to come up now and share some of her lessons uh, in obedience with you. Good morning. It is so nice to be back here. When I first believed in Jesus, I was so filled with joy that I was tempted to tell my boss I couldn't work that day because I was too happy. Box, box one. Try that. Must be me. Um, anyway, I was so happy that I was tempted to tell my boss I couldn't work that day because I was just too happy. And so when God started to, to call me to missions, it just seemed the natural thing to say yes to God, that obedience was not a burden but it was a joyful expression of my love for Jesus. Sadly, that condition did not continue. Somewhere along the way, and I don't even know when or where, I started living as though God had said to me, okay, go and make me proud. And I began to be obedient not out of that joyous love for Jesus, but out of my own self-effort and my own hard work. I wanted others to see my efforts and be impressed with me. But far worse, I wanted God to see my efforts and be impressed with me and owe me for all the hard work I was doing. What a difference this made in my life. Faith-filled obedience is hard work, but it contains joy and contentment. Self-effort obedience is very hard work, and it brings pride, depression, exhaustion, and a lack of contentment. I was never sure if I was doing enough, if I was doing it well enough, 
if people were noticing it enough. Thankfully, God loves me too much to leave me in my self-effort. He drew me back to that first love for Jesus, which led me back to joyous obedience. Thank you, Elaine. I hope you kind of understand that. Yeah. Isn't she great? I told her yesterday, I'm glad I married you. (laughs) Still glad I married you. Yeah. The problem is a heartless external obedience, where our heart is disconnected from our obedience. It's the problem of the motivation. Why do we obey God? Uh, Dear people, the heart of the matter is really the matter of the heart. Maybe it's me that's... Is that turned off? Oh, maybe I'm radioactive. Test. Okay, good. I really sense Satan working in this technology. I know the technical people are working as hard as they are, but this this is obviously something that uh, the evil one would like to disturb. Disturb. So pray pray about that. The leaders of Jesus' day would be really exemplary exemplary in their outward obedience. Remember the Pharisees? They were uh, amazing dedicated religious people. But Jesus constantly corrected them for avoiding the importance of the inner or the heart condition. Please don't forget that though Jesus has ultimate authority, with his ultimate authority also comes ultimate love and ultimate acceptance. We just sang earlier about the fact that Jesus has given us his perfect righteousness. We need to live in that. Motivation to obey God is not to get him to love you anymore. He already loves you as much as he ever could. And he will never love you any less than he loves you right now if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. I'll tell you that right now. That's a marvelous promise, isn't it? Motivation is to return the love that he gave us back to him. And you and I should recommit to Jesus' ultimate authority and move further toward obedience in the neglected and the difficult places in our lives. I'm asking you for a little bit of courage here. We know we are called to complete obedience of the Bible. There's a lot of things that we need to obey through the Bible. But if you're like me, I feel I cannot obey all this. It seems too hard sometimes. And Jesus spoke about the kingdom of God. Remember what he says? Remember what he said in chapter uh, Chapter 5, verse 20, he says, For uh, I tell you, unless your righteousness, your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, I don't measure up to a Pharisee. I'll tell you that right now. And there might be some of you in here to do, but Jesus is laying a really high bar. When I read this, reread the Sermon on the Mount, I know I don't measure up. 
If I'm brutally honest with myself, I don't have a good habit of fasting. I don't pray with expectation as Jesus shared as often as I should. I sometimes struggle with worry and anxiety. I have a bad habit of judging and criticizing other people. And there are many other things. As I'm reading the Sermon on the Mount, I'm thinking, I don't measure up. But that's not the point. Remember, only Jesus lived a a life of perfect righteousness. Never did Jesus fail to measure up to his teaching. He was never hypocritical in any way. God does not expect us to live the Christian life without the power of Jesus and his Holy Spirit in our lives. Don't forget that. We need to continually rely on Jesus and his Holy Spirit to continue to make changes in us. Change that we can radically obey where we couldn't obey before and cause deep uh, change even in our hearts. I need Jesus. I became a Christian 50 years ago in June 17th, 50 years ago. But I know I need Jesus more right now than when I put my faith in him for the first time as my Savior. He saved me from the penalty of sin. But these 50 years, he's been saving me from the power of sin. I see change in my life. You could ask my wife. You could ask, especially ask my children. Ask my children. They see that there are areas that have grown. I'm not as critical as I used to be. I don't worry as much as I used to be. My daughter says, Dad, you're not a workaholic like you used to be. Uh, There's a lot of things they see in me. But I know I have not arrived yet. My prayer, my hope is that for each of us, including Elaine and I, dear people of our home church, we would recommit to Jesus' ultimate authority and we would move further toward obedience in neglected or difficult places in our lives. You and I need a savior for obedience. Dear friends, I'm a member and I haven't been here for a long time and some of you may think, uh, John, you're kind of moving from preaching to meddling. Well, you haven't, I haven't started yet. Uh, if you're a visitor today, just put on your seatbelt and settle down. But I, it's actually, I'm preaching to myself more than anything here. Uh, some of the things that Jesus told us to, to do, number one was Jesus talked about murder. Remember? In chapter 5, he talked about you shall not murder, you shall not kill. And just this last Monday, we had this tragedy in Highland Park, you know, where these many people were shot. Our prayers go out for not only the victims, but their families. And the entire, this whole region is in shock. My wife used to live in that town. Uh, It was just hard to believe. And then just Thursday night, the former ambassador to Japan was, was assassinated. The Prime Minister, yeah, not the ambassador, just the Prime Minister, was, was assassinated. I mean, we live in a world of murder and killing. Jesus talks about having anger, of having contempt for someone else, for calling someone else a fool. I know relationships are difficult, and they're complicated sometimes, aren't they? We need to reconcile with all people, no matter, with no regrets with anyone. I was with someone recently and they had a, a hard relationship with their father. And I said, and their father had passed away. And I, I asked, did you have any regrets? He said, no, we cleared up everything before he died. 
And I thought, that's a blessing because that haunts you for the rest of your life. And, and then we think about this young man who did the killings in, in Highland Park. And from what I'm hearing, uh, there are a lot of young people today who feel that they're not known well. They have very few close friends. They feel powerless. Some of them feel mistreated. And some of them struggle a lot with depression. There seems to be a relational breakdown all around us, as I've been reading and hearing from other people. I really wonder, uh, who could have reached that young man? I wonder, do you know young people who might be like that, that might need to be touched to prevent this from happening? And we know we, live with, we must live with no hate in our heart. And I tell you, whenever I drive my car, I have a hard time with that one. Some of you guys know better than I do. Instead of murdering people, we are, we are to be people who are different from us. That we, we need to accept people who are different than us. People who vote differently than us, look differently than us, come from somewhere else that is different from us. Maybe they or were vaccinated or weren't vaccinated. We need to have love for all these people and acceptance. My pastor friends are saying that there's a lot of division and anger in our churches these days. I don't know if that's true here at all. But Jesus is saying it should not be. Are you with me? What is Jesus calling us to do? So that's the first medal. The other medal is Jesus talked about the commandment against adultery. And the heart of the issue here is lust. In this difficult society where, where, where sex sells everything on the internet, on TV, pornography is rampant, dear people, among pastors, among sem- seminarians, and among Christians. I have seen several whole families and marriages destroyed by this. It's very, really sad. And it's, it's the lust in your heart. It depends on what you watch on TV, what you watch online, what you meditate, what you think about. Pornography is a problem in our society. It should not be a problem in our lives and in our churches. What are you replaying in your mind all the time? Do you know what I'm talking about? What is Jesus asking us to practice in our hearts? That's enough meddling for now. In May, I was uh, in an Asian country, and we were with uh, several of my team members. We were training 150 Asian uh, tribal group of pastors at a conference, and we were emphasizing some very practical training. And one day I gave 150 of these pastors this assignment. And it's not something you can just do in uh, a minute or two, but you can start it right now. If there's one thing you want God to change in your life, what would it be? If there's one thing you would like God to change in your life, what would it be? And I would encourage you, I'm going to give you that assignment too. If there's one thing in your life, I'm doing it for myself too. If there's one thing in your life you would like God to change in you, what would it be? And I give that to you. Where do you need to obey God more? Make it a matter of prayer with God. Probably a lot of confession, repentance. Ask him to change you. And if you really have courage, share it with your spouse or a friend. Have them pray and encourage you as well. And maybe some of you need to get some help. If you need it, go get the help. Find someone also, maybe you can update on it, maybe coach you through and help you stay on track, maybe an accountability partner. 
If there is one thing you want God to change in your life, what would it be? I would encourage you to start writing that down right now. And I would encourage everyone in this room, before you go to bed tonight, before you go to sleep tonight, you've written that out. Can you do that? No, John, I don't know. <laughs> All right, forget I asked that. Well, this tribal group that I spoke to uh, about that, uh, 125 years ago, were all headhunters. They were constantly killing each other in different tribes. And their story that we heard is more like they've gone from headhunters to soul hunters. Nearly all of them are Christians today, uh, thank God. And they knew that the ultimate authority compels ultimate complete obedience. And they affirmed to our Asia Impact team that I work with now, they affirmed to us that they're already sending out missionaries, but they know they can do more. They know they're not obeying the Great Commission as much as they could, and they want to send more missionaries and say, could you come and help us do that? And I was just, it's like, gosh, I worked in Japan for 35 years. I'd love to help you with that. That'd be great. Because ultimate authority compels complete obedience. Jesus, in closing the Sermon on the Mount, expected the hearers to be challenged of their obedience. And today that authority resides in God's revelation, in his word. This is where the authority is today. Now another passage, uh, another translation, if you want to look at your translation, I'm going to read uh, verses 24 to 27 from the, the message translation. This is a paraphrase one. These words I speak to you are not accidental additions to your life, homeowner, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. But if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you are like a stupid carpenter who built his house on the sandy beach. When a storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. May we all not just hear the words of Jesus, but like his encouragement to us that we would move further toward obedience that would result in change and transformation. Like these headhunters, these soul hunters, where do you want the kingdom of God to be coming into your life? Where do you want the kingdom of God to come into your life now, right now, today? I would encourage you to bring that before God and write that down and get some help and have others pray for you. Will you pray with me? We thank you, Father, that Jesus is the ultimate authority. Father, guard ourselves from being 21st century scribes that do not know the ultimate authority and do not submit to Jesus and obey him. We also thank you for the clear teachings of Jesus, that they're recorded in the Bible for us. We know his ultimate authority compels complete obedience. Keep us from becoming 21st century Pharisees with lots of religion, but heart disobedience and hypocrisy. Make us men and women of courage 
To do the work for change and practical obedience, we need to follow you. Make us men and women who love others and do not follow a society that encourages lust. We thank you for the journey that you will travel with us as we move further towards obedience, and that will result in change and the kingdom of God right before our eyes. We pray in the authoritative name of Jesus. Amen.